representing Rural Podcast. I am Candice Williams. So, here's the thing, y'all. I want to first apologize because I was supposed to come back every week, week and a half, two weeks, somewhere up in there to do an update around the legislative session in Arkansas. But it has been very, um, I knew, we knew that it would be uh, different and some things would come along that would shake the table but I don't think any of us expected the shaking of the table as much as it as it has happened so I have not been able to come back every week we still RCA has been able to go to the Capitol I was able to go to the Capitol and testify on some recent bills so our advocacy has not stopped but I have not been able to relay that via podcast or sometimes even on social media. It doesn't go over that way. But I wanted to be able to share this recording that I did with Kristen Higgins with the University of Arkansas Division of Agricultural Cooperative Extension Public Policy Center. <laughs> I wanted to be able to share the conversation I had with her last Wednesday around redistricting because that's very important. That's something that um, we all should be uh, at the top of our list of things we're talking about, wondering about when, you know, they'll finish the, the numbers and when all the census data come in. So I had a conversation with her last Wednesday around that and also the proposed constitutional amendments that comes from the legislator. So I wanted to be able to share that with you all on this side if you did not get a chance to see it on our Facebook page. And in the links, um, in the links of the, well, in the description of this, I'll also include the links to the Arkansas Public Policy Center that um, is housed in the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture Cooperative Extension. Great resource for um, nonpartisan information on constitutional amendments, uh, just how to be an active citizen in this state um, as it pertains to advocacy and just making sure you're connected with our policymakers and our legislators. So Kristen is about to take us away in a minute, but I wanted to do, uh, I guess, this first apology to you all for not coming through on my end with the every week um, updates. But this is a conversation that I hope you all will be able to learn something from and appreciate that we do have such a good resource at the Arkansas Public Policy Center. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for joining us today. This is um, another edition of RCA Conversation. And today we have Kristen Higgins with the University of Arkansas Department of Agriculture, um, Public Policy Center, right? <laughs> right, yeah, University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, but yeah, you got it. <laughs> it's a mouthful, yeah. It is. Well, um, Kristen joined us uh, in the fall on our podcast to talk about the then um, constitutional amendments that were on the ballot. Um, and of course, um, we, we're finished with that, and we um, a few, well, one was chosen right and one was thrown off that we learned about that was still on the ballot at the time but um today we'll talk about we'll do a little talk intro talk about talking about the process of a bill uh, because i've received a lot of questions about this so we'll just do a little overview of that and then we'll go into the proposed constitutional amendments that are coming from the legislator and we'll end with redistricting uh kristen do you want to say anything before we get started 
Uh, no, I just, I mean, maybe that our conversation today is just proof or an example of how voter education is year round and not just right before the election, you know, that things are happening and people can be involved year round. For sure. Okay, so let's get started. So could you give an overview of a bill's process? Yeah, sure. So, you know, uh, it some people are very familiar with the Arkansas legislature and then some, you know, are just like, okay, I know we have lawmakers, but I'm not necessarily familiar with the process. And so just taking it a step backwards, um, you know, we have two chambers in our legislature. We have the House and the Senate. So just the same at the State House as in the U.S. Capitol. And lawmakers in both of those chambers can file bills or propose laws that they will then debate and discuss uh, before they can vote on it. So there's a, a process that takes place. Um, there's a, the House and the Senate both have standing committees or committees that lawmakers are assigned to, to look at all of the bills, all the proposed laws that have been filed. And if your bill or law gains traction as a lawmaker, as a sponsor, uh, you will be assigned to a committee. That committee will look at your um, proposal. They'll debate it, discuss it. You can have um, the public come speak for or against that bill. Um, you can, uh, the sponsor themselves will talk about it. And then that committee will take a vote on that bill. And after that committee vote, then it gets on the agenda for the full house or the full Senate. And so for example, you know, if you're a, a state representative, um, you have the House vote on your bill. And then if it's approved, that bill goes to the Senate and it goes through the same process on the Senate side. There's a Senate committee that'll look at it and they'll vote um, and then it'll go to the full Senate. Only after it goes through both chambers um, and passes successfully, does it become a law. Thank you. Um, there have been, it seems like more people are involved in this legislative session than uh, they have been in the past, which is a great thing. Uh, but there are a lot of questions about their process. So thank you for, for breaking that down. So um, what happens if it doesn't pass? Well, so if it doesn't pass, um, if it, it just goes nowhere, you know, it, it dies, so to say, once the legislature um, um, recesses and goes home, um, you can go to the General Assembly website and you can look at all of the bills that have been filed and you can see, you can track which ones have been assigned to committees, which ones have been presented and voted on. So if you come across one that has not even gone through a committee yet, that means there's just not that much support for it. Um, so that it just, it goes away, poof, never happened. And I mean, that happens all the time. There are uh, hundreds of bills filed every session and uh, a number of them get through but another number of them never make it past the sponsor filing it mm -hmm. so uh, how many bills have been passed this session well i was looking this morning because our session is is going and they're still <laughs> filing bills um so i was looking this morning and i think that they're um they're just over 2,500 bills filed, including the 42 constitutional amendments. And of those so far that have been filed, um, 
this morning, uh, it was like 498 have been signed into law as an act. I'm sure there have been a few more since this morning. So we're, we're right at the 500 mark uh, for, for new laws and bills being passed. Is that about normal, about 500? Um, I, I mean, yeah, our, our session is tending to go, it's expected to go a little bit longer this year, but yeah, it's, it's about normal um, that there's um, so many of that have been filed, um, so many that have been heard. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I were talking earlier about deadlines and what was, um, were there any deadlines coming up? And in past years, there was a hard deadline of when lawmakers had to file their proposal. Um, but in 2019, um, the lawmakers removed that rule. It, you know, it was kind of a standing rule. It wasn't like a law. It was a rule that they had to abide by. And because that deadline was removed, um, we're seeing legislators still filing bills. Um, so if we had been 2017, 2015, we would probably seen um, it start to slow down, uh, but it's still going full force with bills being filed every day uh, because there's not a deadline anymore. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah and, and, and so they removed that deadline. Um, I remember the discussion in 2019 when they removed it, it was, um, they felt that they were um, you know, they have a legend, there's a staff, there's the, the uh, BLR at the Capitol, the staff there, the legislative research that um, does all the work. And they felt that they were with these deadlines, um, just piling it on to these um, legislative staff members at the last minute who are having to work crazy hours just to get all of the paperwork done. Mm -hmm. And so the thought was, okay, we get rid of the deadline and then there won't be that mad rush at the end. But we're still seeing a lot being filed. Um, and uh, if any, if y'all have heard uh, the session, um, lawmakers are looking to go to, to the end of April, uh, which is a little bit later than usual. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So we covered that question about the session. <laughs> so they'll be going, at least, well, they'll be going into the end of April and then it's a recess, right? Right. So traditionally or historically they have gone you know to the first week or the end of april and they've um they've what we call sign die where they they go home they they have a like a two-week recess where the you know the last minute paperwork gets done and the governor signs bills and then the session is over however because of um, the pandemic and the delays with the census bureau the you know 2020 census data they're saying, okay, well, we need to um, take a break. So we'll, they'll, they'll, they're planning on recessing, which would then let them come back into session this fall um, to start again. And I'm not sure if they're gonna pass any rules um, saying what they can consider this fall. Um, but you know, our, our, our legislature in Arkansas, they meet in odd years, like 2021 to talk about new state laws, and then they meet in even years to talk about the budget. Mm -hmm. So it will be kind of interesting um, since this is the first time that they've recessed like this in a legislative year, you know, what are they going to consider this fall? Are they going to limit themselves to just the census? Um, we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, and, you know, theoretically, there's not, well, like I said, there's not a deadline, but in order to make it through the committee on both ends of the House and the Senate and to make it onto the floor, they've got to be 
wrapping up filing bills soon. Um, because if you file a bill like two days before the end of the session, yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. 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 So maybe it's like um, just in their mind, they have a deadline, but it's not anything official on the book. Right. Hopefully yeah. the deadline is soon. Um, <laughs> um, so we'll move on into the proposed constitutional amendment. So um, every um, session, legislators have a chance to uh, propose constitutional amendments and then the public has an opportunity as well. Am I right? Right, yeah, and so Arkansas, we're, we're um, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more excited about this than most people, but we're one of 15 states where the legislature and the public can propose constitutional amendments, and the public can propose state laws as well as referendums on state laws that just passed. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the session, you know, if somebody was like, oh, I don't really like this law that passed, they can go around the state, collect signatures and try to um, veto it through the ballot issue process. Mm -hmm. uh, so right now we're um, knee deep in the legislative side of the process. Um, the the election that takes place on constitutional amendments won't happen until November 2020. So we won't necessarily see the public side of it maybe until the end of this year, early next year. But so right now lawmakers are doing their part and there was a deadline for when um, they had to file the proposed constitutional amendments. And that was February 10th. And so as of that day, there were 42 proposed constitutional amendments filed by our state lawmakers. Uh, there were 25 in the House um, filed and 18 in the Senate. And just like um, any other law or bill that they have filed, um, they follow a committee process for the constitutional amendments as well. So all of the constitutional amendments were sent to the state agencies and governmental affairs committee either in the House or the Senate. It's the same name for both sides. And um, those committees uh, listened and reviewed and had the sponsors come and talk. Um, they, they posted them on the agenda. Uh, supporters and opponents had an opportunity to comment in person on these issues, um, to go and talk to that committee about whether they supported it or not. Uh, just a handful had actual public comment. Uh, the majority that went through were just um, presented by the sponsor and maybe um, someone from the, the private sector that was working with them to support that bill. And so um, they just range from all different topics, um, you know, just, just like the citizen measures do. Uh, probably about a do dozen different topics. And if you go to our website, um, actually, if you go to, we have a blog at the Public Policy Center through our Community Development Unit. So if you go to our website at uaex.uada.edu slash blog, you will find our rundown of the 42 issues and see like what were the topics. Um, but just to give you some examples, um, the topics range from elections, uh, for ballot issues, for um, looking at um, making uh, judges a partisan race. Um, they're a nonpartisan race right now. Yeah. Uh, we've, they've talked about um, caps on damages and medical lawsuits, um, limiting um, or actually expanding the legislature's role in writing uh, the rules for our court systems. Those are some issues that were on the ballot in the past. Uh, establishing a minimum wage commission, 
looking at renters' rights, uh, religious freedom, right to bear arms, taxes, doing away with personal property taxes, uh, to uh, public debt. Uh, so there's just a wide gamut of topics um, that they're they're covering. Um, and so the committees have started, they're really wrapping up their work. Um, they're getting ready to send a proposal to their chamber. So um, for example, out of the 25 from the house, the 25 different proposals, they only heard 17. So if you weren't heard, yours is gone. It's just not happening anytime soon. So they, they have to send the proposed. Um, so how many do does the, uh, the committee choose or the slate? Is there a slate that they choose to send to the full house to vote on? Yes, there is a slate that they can send. Um, so they can send as many as they want oh. to the house or to the Senate. But the Arkansas Constitution limits how many they can send to the voters. Yes. So our Constitution says our lawmakers can only refer up to three constitutional amendments to the voters to decide. So, you know, going from 42 to three <laughs> can be a pretty tough job. Um, some years they've only referred two, some years they've referred one. Um, most years they do send three to the voters to decide. Um, and then uh, there is a tradition in the legislature where they take turns. Um, so for example, the House will send one, the Senate will send one, and then they take turns on what that third one could be. And so this year it's the Senate's turn to refer one, um, but they've gotta be popular. They've got to have support in both the House and the Senate, because if they're not, they're not gonna get through. Um, so we'll be seeing in the next couple of weeks um, there, you know, they should uh, have maybe in the next week or two, definitely by the recess, they will have referred to the full chamber, you know, and voted. So we'll know a month from today what the legislature is sending to us on the ballot in November 2022. All right. So two will come from up to two will come from the Senate and one will come from the House this year. Right. All right. Um, so yeah, you could start, you know, there's, you can start researching and doing your homework yeah. and looking into the issues. Now, um, we put out a monthly newsletter, uh, talking about, you know, you know, here's the latest that's happening and giving some information. So there's no need to wait until October, 2022 for the ones coming from the legislature. Yeah. I have to make sure I put your website in the um in the comments of this video be because great. you are a great resource when it comes to especially those constitutional constitutional amendments and other things related to the election and uh, even the legislative session on the process like you've given earlier so i'll definitely put that in the comments uh, for people to review later so now to redistricting so um so first why do we have it yeah, it's a busy year, isn't it? Between the legislative session, uh, the pandemic, and then redistricting. Uh, so redistricting, it's uh, just kind of a, it's a fundamental process that our country and our state and our communities go through every 10 years after the U.S. Census. Uh, again, going back to the basic civics, um, our, our country is a representative democracy, which means that we vote for our lawmakers, we vote for our government, 
at the local level, state level, and the, um, you know, the, the US Congress. Mm -hmm. And so we all live in districts, which are geographic areas, um, you know, not just your city or your county, um, not just your state, but, you know, if you're living in a city, you might have, you know, four to seven city council members, you have your quorum court members, um, even uh, redistricting can even affect the school board level because redistricting, um, the concept is that each geographic area would have the same number of people in that area. Um, kind of going back to that uh, one person, one vote principle where each person has um, equal access to government and equal access for representation. And so it, it just, it, it, um, this is that time after the census uh, where all of our levels of government go and look and see if the population changes, um, you know, kind of reappropriate or redistrict, um, you know, just, okay, well, if one area has grown a lot in population, then their district from the state level might be smaller. Or if one area has lost population, then, um, you know, thinking from the state representative level um, or, or Senate level, their area might um, grow in geographic boundary. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and this is why we push the census so much because it's important yeah. for you all to be counted. Um, so your county or your district will not uh, have to expand or be, uh, I guess, too large. I know the district that I'm in now, it go, it's everywhere. And I'm sure after, you know, the results are in from the 2020 census that it'll be even larger. So, oh, um, yeah, yeah. So like where I'm at, my street is the dividing line. So my neighbors across the street have a different uh, representative than I do. So yeah. will I, so I face losing my uh, representative or keeping, I don't know. So yeah. I'm just, I'm in the sho same shoes as everyone else. I won't know until we get that census data and see those maps that are gonna be drawn. So, um, so how is it done in Arkansas and who does it? There's a lot of layers of redistricting um, countrywide and then within the state as well. Uh, so uh, school district zones, um, you know, I mentioned that in community college uh, boards, they're all based on population and they can change. Um, some can follow quorum court districts, depending um, at the city level. Um, because again, I, I, I want to stress that this is not just your senator and your representative, but this is your city um, council member or city board member, depending on um, what kind of city government you live in. This is your quorum court or justice of the peace that we're talking about that can be changed. Um, so the people who are dealing with your everyday um, government decisions. Um, so city councils are in charge of coming up with their own maps, drawing their own borders. And there will be public hearings. Um, this will be on the city council agendas. So pay attention to your city councils and um, what's going to be happening over the next couple of months. Um, the quorum courts, uh, which for some people, they're not necessarily, they might not be familiar with that term, are justice of the peace. Um, I like to describe them as the city council of our counties. Um, they represent people from different um, areas of the county. 
their boundaries are drawn actually by the election commission which is another reason to be familiar with who your election commissioners are because they do have a say beyond just handling you know the the counting of um, ballots they do have a role in drawing boundaries in your community um, so that's the the quorum court um, and if you live in a uh, city manager form of government you know we have maybe four or five across the state still, um, Little Rock being the biggest, and then we have some smaller ones. Um, the election commission is also in charge of drawing those boundaries for city directors. Uh, so then at the state level, uh, we have something called the board of apportionment. That's a really fancy name <laughs> for the governor, the secretary of state and the attorney general. So they serve on that board and just, those three, just those three that's it they are the board of apportionment and they are in charge of drawing our state representative boundaries and our state senator boundaries so who serves you at the capitol in little rock their boundaries are drawn by the governor the secretary of state and the attorney general and they get together again after every census and they put um they can each propose different maps um, you know, I've been looking back at uh, 2010 and 2000, and they don't necessarily have to agree. They could have their own maps. They can have their own staff. Um, there, you know, there might be public hearings and some debate and discussion, um, and then they vote um, on which map or proposal um, to to accept. Uh, so. In 2010, there was some, you know, controversy and, and disagreement, and then I think it was like a two voted to adopt and one didn't, and so um, it, it really, you know, depends on who your um, governor, secretary of state, and attorney general are at that time about how quickly the process is done. So they're in charge of that, and then our lawmakers themselves um, at the state capitol are in charge of drawing our U.S. House of Representatives for Congress. So we have four districts in Arkansas and um, our legislature uh, puts that together. Um, back in 2010, there were dozens and dozens of different proposals of how that should look, how to rearrange the lines for those four districts. Um, if anyone um, has been paying attention, it's no secret that you know we've been losing population uh, in the Delta areas on the eastern side of the state and then growing by leaps and bounds in Northwest Arkansas. So that change in population will be reflected in our maps that they'll be proposing. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've kind of already talked about that. Uh, that normally is happening now, you know, 2010 uh, or 20, I'm sorry, 2011 in March, they were doing, they were voting, they were talking about this. But the census data has been delayed and so they've been told by the u.s census bureau not to expect the information until september um, and to be ready in september to start talking about what those maps should look like so uh even though that's been delayed you know if you have a strong interest in the maps and how things are drawn and public comment you know be in touch with your legislator uh, contact them and same goes for city council and mayor and quorum court you know be in touch with them and um, get on whatever email list that they might have for those public hearings that'll take place uh, just you know uh, pay attention for that 
Um, and then, you know, finally, the our, our U.S. senators, they, there's no maps for those because we have two, two per state, and they represent the entire state. So you won't, I mean, there's no, there's no boundaries for them. Arkansas is the boundary for them. Yeah. So are the public hearings required uh, at each level? You know, that's a, up to that entities. That's a that's a very good question. Um, when you have a city council, anytime the city council, you know, two or more members meet, that's a public meeting. So those would be public. Um, same goes with the quorum court. Uh, but the board of apportionment, you know, is um, our different um, state uh, leaders. Um, they are not. Um, there are constitutional officers. Um, they have, they do hold public meetings, um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they're required by law to hold public meetings, but they will hold public meetings. Um, and it's kind of funny if you go back to 2010, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but they were very excited about taking email comments at that time. They had set up a website and they were taking public comments and you know that just feels like yesterday but it was a huge change to how they operated accepting public comments by just having an email address for people to send comments to uh, so there was a proposed constitutional amendment last year on the on the ballot that was removed at the last minute it didn't qualify because of some technical background paperwork issues and that proposal would have set up an independent redistricting committee and that um, specific law spelled out a whole bunch of process steps and it would have required a public hearing in all of the congressional districts so I had a lot of criteria um, but just in general I'm not sure that the law actually requires specific public hearings but they do typically do them okay I have another question, I guess, associated sure. with um, this structure for this committee that oversees the, the governor, the secretary of state, who else you say? The attorney general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How usual is that, um, I guess, as regards to the United States to have that kind of makeup to, um, for redistricting? So is that is that usual for other states? How many other states have like this same kind of committee of three? Yeah, no, that's a really good question because that was something that we addressed in our fact sheet on that one ballot issue uh, last year. Um, I remember when we were um, doing our voter guide on it that they talked about that it was kind of unique for um, it to be a um, constitutional officer like committee. Um, because there are different, um, there there are different entities across the country that are responsible for for doing this, and some of them are um, independent commissions. Some of them might involve their their legislators. Um, you know, some might involve like what we have, and so uh, you know, I was I was thinking. Um, I think in our voter guide we said that. Um, Let's see that state legislators were responsible for drawing districts, state districts in 30 states. 
and uh, another nine used a commission made up of people appointed by elected officials or party leaders to draw state districts. Uh, some had advisory commissions where it was like a mix of legislators and non-legislators. Uh, so, you know, um, Arkansas was one of yeah. one. Yeah, we were kind of unique where it's the executive branch that um, drew the state legislative districts, yeah. All right, so given this delay um, till September for, for those census results, when do when should we expect results from uh, the redrawing of the districts? For the end uh, of the year? Yeah, well, yeah, I would think that um, they're gonna be in a compressed timeline. Our constitution requires that districts be drawn the year after the census. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, there is a date in the constitution, but it's kind of one of those non-enforced dates um, because our constitution dates back to 1874. <laughs> There's some things in it that, you know, are still there, but don't, aren't necessarily followed. Um, so they, they should have it um, wrapped up by the end of the year, unless there are some problems. Um, and one of the reasons why that's important is that, you know, our primaries are next spring. And um, I was reading that candidate filings for those primaries starts in February next year. So you have to know what districts you're yeah. running for to file for office. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, barring no problems and agreements, um, this is, you know, um, the uh, kind of a historic event where we have a Republican governor, a Republican secretary of state and a Republican attorney general um, for the first time to um, work on these maps together. Whereas in the past, you know, we might've had um, opposing political parties, so they might not have agreed, or we might have had, um, you know, Democratic control, so they might have agreed more. So, um, because they're all Republican this year, um, maybe there might be some more agreement among the three of them than we've seen in the past, and maybe it'll go quickly. Um, but that kind of remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, they, um, in order for everyone to conduct election business next spring, they've got to wrap it up by the end of the year. So um, you already talked about the importance of um, citizens becoming involved with this process now. If it's just a conversation with your um, elected official, which, with your quorum court, um, when it comes to um, um, redrawing of the maps. So how, I guess, how is this, um, this redrawing of the maps beneficial to our Kansas? Because you talked about it earlier, and we we all know, like you said, unless you've been on a, under a rock, we know the Delta Southeast Arkansas has lost um, population over the last mm -hmm. ten years. So our districts become larger. Right. So um, that one person represents that much more um, land, that much more. Um, Right. Yeah, they were they represent more land, but yeah. remember, land doesn't vote. So right about that. <laughs> yeah, land doesn't vote. So yeah. they're representing um, maybe perhaps the same number of people, but over a wider geographic area. Um, yeah, and you know, you had sent me that that question about you know how does it benefit our Kansans, and you know that was an interesting question because it was a question that I received. So you know, it was a really interesting question because you know how does it benefit Arkansans. Um, 
you know, it really is just, I mean, that is just, it's the structure of our government, right? So it's the founding principles of our, the way our democracy operates, but what is the benefit to the individual? That was a very, <laughs> that was an interesting question. Um, so, you know, I touched on this again, the point of redistricting is equal representation. And so the benefit, if it's done correctly, is that you are represented, mm -hmm. your voice is heard, um, that your vote and your voice matters just as much as the next person. That is the way it is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. um, so that you should have equal access to government. Um, it also, it, it impacts who your representative is. And when it impacts who your representative is from the city to federal level, that means it affects the policies of a government and it affects the political power of a government. And so um, whether you benefit or not, I mean, it does impact your daily life in yeah. that uh, the districts and the boundaries determine who represents you and the popularity of the policies that get passed mm -hmm. and adopted to, again, influence um, either your life or your business, um, you know, everything that, that happens in your community. Mm -hmm. Well, Christian, that's all I have for today. Um, I just always enjoy listening to you because, you know, you have all this stuff in here and I'm just so <laughs> glad that you uh, are willing to share it. So do you have any closing remarks? Again, I'll have to be sure to put that link in the comments because that's definitely a resource that everyone could use. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we've got multiple resources for people on our website at the Public Policy Center, which is uaex.uada.edu. Sorry, just we just had our website changed. So uaex.uada.edu slash PPC. And if you go to our Public Policy Center website, you'll see that we have created a just a basics on what is redistricting with some links. Um, so if you're interested in kind of um, taking the, the maps and the numbers and playing around for yourself, there's some links to some interactive websites where you can be the person redistricting and then you can kind of create your own maps to see what it's like. Um, some basic information on the board of apportionment. Um, and then our state uh, geographic information systems office just released uh, decades worth of maps to kind of compare how the districts have changed over time. So we'll have links to them. So we've got a lot of good information on our website and I just encourage you all to follow us on our social media to get the latest on redistricting, on um, what's happening at the legislature because we have a legislative um, education and awareness program that we do. And also um, for those ballot issues, um, for some neutral information. And again, I just, you know, we didn't touch on this at the beginning, but just stress that we are, you know, we're part of the University of Arkansas system and we exist to provide people with the information, the neutral research-based information that they need to make decisions about their lives. So we're not telling you how to vote one way or the other. Um, we're just trying to give you some neutral, nonpartisan information for you to make your own decisions. Gotta love it. Well, until next time, Kristen, you um, enjoy the rest of your evening and hopefully we'll be able to talk soon after, you know, they decide upon these uh, constitutional amendments.
the for three. sure. I'll, yes, I'll be back. I will gladly return and, and talk with everyone about what will be on the ballot for November 2022. Thank All you. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.